Welcome to the YA Cafe, where we share conversations about books for teachers, readers, and caffeine addicts everywhere. On today's episode, we'll be talking about The Summer of Jordi Perez by Amy Spaulding. Grab a mug of your favorite beverage, friends, and let's talk books. This podcast is made possible by Nouvelle ELA Teaching Resources. Find secondary ELA resources to engage and inspire, like collaborative bell ringers. N-O-U-V-E-L-L-E-E-L-A. Something new. Welcome, y'all. As always, our first segment will be spoiler-free, and so you can stick around even if you haven't checked out the new book yet. Let's do some quick introductions. I'm Amanda Thrasher. And I'm Danielle Hall, an 8th and ninth grade English teacher, and I blog at teachnouvelle.com. And today we're joined by Anne-Marie, a wonderful and fun traveling, teaching, and reading friend of mine. Like the characters in this book, Anne-Marie knows her way around the creative process and loves food. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi, friends. Glad to be here. It's great to have you today. In the summer of Jordi Perez, Abby scores the internship of her dreams, working at a vintage clothing shop in L.A. She hopes to turn this internship at Lemonberry into a paid part-time job, because how else will she be able to afford their awesome dresses? And maybe gain a little inspiration for her fashion blog, Plus Style. But when she discovers that she has to share this internship with Jordi Perez, Abby realizes that means some competition for the job. Can Abby somehow have the clothes, score the job, and get the girl? This is a summer rom-com, folks, so probably yes, but with shenanigans along the way. All right, Amanda, start us off. What were your general impressions of this book? So general impressions, I thought this book was a lot of fun. You know, it was just a light, frothy summer read, and, you know, that's fine. I think there need to be light, frothy summer reads, particularly for fat queer girls who don't necessarily get those. So, yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. What about you, Anne-Marie? So I also thought that this was a very light story. It's a good summer read for an adult, but I think it was a very impressionable book for any young woman who is maybe just come out or is thinking about coming out. I know that when I was a teenager, I didn't have any of those kinds of role models. And what I particularly liked about it was that it wasn't a coming out story. This wasn't about Abby coming out to her friends or her family. She was already out. It was a non-issue. And it just centered around her life, around finding romance and her budding career and the evolution of the different relationships in her life. And I really liked that that was the focus. She could have been a straight girl because all of the same storylines took place, except she wasn't. And so I really enjoyed that novelty to this book, that it wasn't a teenage LGBTQ book focused on coming out. I completely agree. I want more books where we have LGBTQ plus characters, but that aren't all about coming out. Like that was the beginning and the end of the LGBTQ plus story. So one of the things that I loved about this book was the depiction of the friends. We see two of Abby's friends a lot in this book. We see Malia, who's been Abby's best friend since forever. And we see this kind of new guy that she's getting to know, Jax, who is trying to help his dad develop this like best burger in town app or like best food in town. But the way that they're betaing it is with burgers. So they go eat a bunch of hamburgers all summer long. And I really thought that those two characters were really charming. Amanda, who was your favorite character? I liked, I mean, I don't know if he was my favorite, but I liked Jax a lot. Like, I thought that he was a good guy just uh, be bopping around. Yeah, like he's kind of a jerk sometimes, 
but in that broy sort of way. And I thought that that was a really interesting kind of contrast with Abby and, you know, how seriously she looked at the world. And Jax was just like, whatever, let's have fun. I also enjoyed Jax's presence. I enjoyed that a female character and a male character could be friends. Granted, the female character is queer, so it's a non-issue. But I I also like that he didn't have a hidden agenda. Like, he yes. wanted to be her friend. And so that idea of male-female friendships, I think, is important, especially in high school. And I think it also showed a light that you can be different from someone and still be friends with them. Or you can see someone's flaws and still love them anyway. One of my favorite quotes from the book was a dialogue between Abby and Jax. Abby says, why are boys so scared of girls' feelings? And then he says, Ebs, I'm a feminist. I'm equally scared of all feelings. Yeah, (laughs) I like that one a lot too. I almost busted that one out. So Yeah, that that actually made me laugh out loud. I loved it. I love Jax for infusing humor. And I love how much he loves his car and how he wants to take his car like three blocks. Because he can't stand the heat or whatever. It's very relatable. Totally. So let's talk about Abby's mom. Abby's mom is this kind of upcoming food celebrity in L.A. who, you know, had a food blog and then now is getting some morning news time and is writing a cookbook. And so her thing is called Eat Healthy with Nora! Exclamation point. And the exclamation point is a very big part of the brand. <laughs> so we have this dynamic where her mom is hyper obsessed with food and health and gives Abby a lot of flack for her, her body shape. And throughout the book, this is kind of juxtaposed with the best burger in L.A. situation. I have to say that it really cracked me up whenever Jordy walks in and her entire living room is covered with the product of a photo shoot. And she says, now Eat Healthy with Nora is a brand. (laughs) What did you think of her mom, Anne-Marie? I didn't really relate to the mom because my mom is completely opposite from that. My mom is always trying to get me to eat and... My mom is the type of person who makes fried dough when I come home, and that's, <laughs> that's the thing. So I never had that kind of mom. But I, I think everybody can understand who that person is. Right. And one thing that I thought was really great, um, it's established early on in the novel when her mother says something to her about her quote-unquote health, and she says, Abby says, Mom, I'm healthy, The doctor said I was the healthiest of us. I walk many miles a week and, you know, I stand for my job and da-da-da-da-da. And it's very clear that this is not a health issue. I also really love how when they talk about the photo shoot with the food, Abby kind of does this tell-all when she's like, do you know how that hamburger gets perfect grill marks? It's eyeliner. And do you know why that food is shiny? It's deodorant. And so it's a really kind of interesting spin on this quote-unquote health food, but they can't actually eat any of the food in the photo shoot. Um, so the author's writing style in this, I think, is uh, works really well for a contemporary YA, too. Like we talked about previously with the Hazelwood 
um, how the writing was so present. And I really liked it. Like, it was very much imagery. But this writing style is almost an afterthought to the story. Like, to me, in a lot of ways, it reads, like, almost like a screenplay. Like, there's not not a lot as far as, like, complicated imagery or things like that to try to, like, chew through to get to the story. Like, it's just it's just a vehicle for this story. So I think that works really well for this book. I agree. I think because Abby is the narrator and she has this plus style blog that her voice in her writing or that's coming across in the story sounds more like a blog post. It's all the chapters and all of the sections in the chapters come across like blog posts. Mm, Yeah. Where she, she's, telling her friends, us, the readers, about what happened. Almost like a diary entry, but more modern. So there is extra imagery that maybe you wouldn't put in just a personal diary because you're sharing it with with your following. So I think that is kind of where the modern voice comes in. Yeah, that's a really good point. We definitely, like, we're in on her secrets, but not, like, all of them. I feel like she's relating to us, but keeping us at a little bit of a distance, too. And with that, friends, we'll take our first break. When we come back, we'll share about things we like a latte. Then we'll return to our discussion of the summer of Jordi Perez and dig a little deeper. Welcome back, y'all. It's time for Things We Like a Latte. Danielle, what's your brew of choice this week? This week, I came prepared. Nice change. (laughs) Um, I just wanted to recommend for people who already enjoyed the summer of Jordi Perez or for looking for more fun, relatable YA, I really enjoyed the book Caterpillars Can't Swim by Leanne Shaw. It is a kind of fun story, kind of heartbreaking story. I really respect the way that Leanne Shaw has, like, tread this line but um it largely revolves around a comic-con situation and so as i said in a previous episode we are comic-con people so i I definitely (laughs) related to that and i just found it a really fun enjoyable book caterpillars can't swim by leanne shaw how about you amanda um so for me i have two non-book things this week that make me very happy uh, one is that I just had a birthday, and so my wonderful wife took us to sing karaoke for five hours, and it was just the best time, and that's also why I don't have too much of a voice right now, <laughs> but totally worth it. Uh, the other thing that I like a latte is kind of sad, actually, but I'm really interested in the story. So there is this alpaca in New Zealand named Bambi, and Bambi is a blind alpaca, and Bambi's alpaca friend has been kidnapped. He has been alpaca-napped. And now Bambi is all alone and really stressed out because Bambi's friend used to help Bambi find his way around the paddock. I know, it's, it's so much. And this is like the top news story in New Zealand right now, and I am just... I really am waiting to find out that, like, Bambi's friend's coming back. There's all these other alpaca aficionados, farmers. I'm not sure where that falls in, who are, like, volunteering to send friends over to Bambi right quick. Because alpacas, I found out, are really social animals and will sometimes die of loneliness. So it's, like, super sad, but I'm also really into it. And I'm just 
riveted by the story of Bambi the Blind Alpaca. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know. How about you, Emery? I hope it's happy. Um, well, I was, I was coming with a book recommendation for young adult fiction. Oh, um, that's much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not LGBTQ fiction, but it is a uh, romantic comedy. And it is The Sun is Also a Star by Nicola Yoon. It is a story that I love to hate because you're just like, things like that don't happen in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but as I am also an Amelie lover through and through, it is a similar story of happenstance and coming together with unlikely characters. And I really enjoy how it comes from a multicultural perspective the two protagonists come from two completely different worlds and then they intertwine and watching them interact together and introduce each other into their own worlds is really beautiful and touching in a very cheesy, melodramatic teenage way that I just absolutely ate up. That is amazing. And <laughs> I just found out today that they are in talks to make a movie of The Sun is Also a Star. <gasps> Well, they made Everything, Everything by they Nicola did. Yoon into a movie. So I, when I was reading it, I was like, oh, I hope they make it into a movie. Yeah. And Yara Shahidi is in talks to star in this. And so she's Zoe and Blackish and Grownish. Watch them. They're amazing. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll return to our discussion on the summer of Jordi Perez. The rest of the show may contain spoilers, so if you're leaving us here, please keep in touch on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. If you're a teacher or a librarian and you want to know more about this book for an education setting, check out ideas at teachnouvelle.com slash YA Cafe Podcast. We'll be back after this quick break. Do you have a product you'd like to get in front of teachers, librarians, and other book lovers? If so, email us at yacafepodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, y'all. We're continuing our discussion on The Summer of Jordi Perez by Amy Spaulding. If you haven't read this yet, we want to warn you again that this segment will contain spoilers, and it's literally just in and out. The best burger in L.A. is literally just in and out. Ta-da! <laughs> That's the show. <laughs> Just kidding. That's that's the only spoiler. <laughs> you know, having had In and Out, I find that fairly hard to believe. I'm gonna have a hot take here. In and Out is overrated. Oh, we're Ooh. gonna get hate mail. I don't even care. Cookout is so Hold much on. better. And if you get don't ready know, for this, I'm ready. I've never been to In and Out. Me neither. What a surprise. The two vegetarians have no strong opinion on the best burger in Los Angeles. I will carry the weight of the meat-eating world on this section of the podcast. Uh, what I found interesting, what I found interesting about the burger plot line was that it's in the title, it's the subtitle of the book, but it was more of a tertiary storyline. And I felt like it hardly warranted being mentioned in the book's title. Like the other aspects of the story about spending the summer at this internship and her changing relationships with her friends, I felt like that took more of a precedence. So I felt like for the amount of burger content there was, I was like, why is this even in the title? The, like the burger it could, to it fashion ratio. It could have just been skipped altogether, in my opinion. Like not the burger part, because I really enjoyed that. Um, that subplot, but it didn't need to be in the title at all, in right. my opinion. I disagree. I think that it worked really well for the title because it made it clear from the beginning that like, yep, 
Abby is fat. She has no, like, problems with this. She's healthy. She does what she wants. And she goes and she eats burgers all summer. So I thought that it was good to have that in the title because, like, I feel like it signaled to us from the very beginning that this is not about uh, Abby suddenly eating healthy with Nora and, like, losing weight and getting the job with the fashion place or whatever. That's a good point. I also enjoyed that when she did talk about eating all the burgers, she never mentioned not being able to fit into her dresses. She didn't she didn't mention how it was going to change her body. It was always like, I don't need to have a heart attack from eating all these burgers. It was always coming from the health a angle. physical health angle. Yeah. Yeah, I really I liked that a lot. I liked the burger plotline in terms of giving her an escape from some of the drama rama that was happening at work. And like she's the perpetuator of the drama rama, right? It's not like her boss was mean to her or people had a problem with her being gay. It was just like her and Jordy and their drama rama together. But it was important for her to be able to like go and hang out with Jax and talk about burgers. Like that was a cool moment for them to have, you know, every day, every other day. I also really loved the empanada scene when she goes over to Jordy's house and Jordy's family's making empanadas and it's like a whole assembly line deal and then they race to fill the empanada shells. Like I loved that. I loved just the family in the kitchen. It made me think of you, Anne Marie. Like it did. <laughs> because you have an awesome family. And I can imagine you guys in the kitchen racing to make empanadas. We do play a lot of games and have a lot of inside jokes. So that would fit. So you talk some about the uh, drama-rama that uh, Abby and Jordy had around them. The driving conflict for a lot of this book is this ongoing idea of who is going to get the job after the internship. And then that kind of just isn't a thing. And I didn't love that. (laughs) They both get the job. (laughs) But I, I, like- I agree. And that's what I was thinking from the beginning. I was like, why can't they just split the hours? Like, <laughs> this is not a, this is not not an issue. Like, what is the deal here? <laughs> I, I liked it, though. I liked how it made Abby reevaluate her relationship with Jordy. Like, do I want to succeed at her expense? And that kind of figuring out the value of the relationship versus the value of this career move for her. And I thought it would have been really interesting to see how their relationship went after one of them got the job or one of them didn't get exactly. the job. It kind of like took out the stakes and the tension. It just resolved both of them in one fell swoop. And it wasn't even the third option. You know, we talk about the third option. Like if if Batman can't save the fairy and the girl, if he has to choose between them, no, Batman's going to like come up with a third option. But there was no was third it, it was option. Spider-Man, here. Danielle, but it's fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But I I understand you, Danielle. I also felt like it had potential to be more. And I would have been interested to see what could have come if one of them did get it only. You know, if that was the option, what would have happened if Maggie had offered the internship to Abby? Like, how would Jordy react and how would their relationship maybe change or maybe not, you know? Or if Jordy was offered the job, did Maggie introduce Abby to some very famous fashion blogger? And so then Abby was able to have some other opportunity, you know? So there, yeah. there could have been a lot that happened. And then it really was like, boop. And you know, there was- <laughs> I feel like at that point, Abby deserved the job 
Because one of the things that I really enjoyed at this point in the novel was that Abby looked at Lemonberry, the store. She looked at their failing Instagram account and did this pretty in-depth analysis of why they weren't succeeding on Instagram and social media. And she came up with a social media strategy for Lemonberry. So she really proved herself worthy of the job and kind of won in that way. Did y'all think that Jordy really even was that interested in fashion? Like, I honestly didn't get that impression from her. I thought she was mostly a photographer who just happened into this internship. What did you guys think? Yeah, I kind of wondered how she fit in there. But, you know, she ended up doing a lot of good work. So then it kind of fit in. But then from the get-go, I was like, what was the significance of Jordy specifically to be in that realm? Right. Like, what motivated Jordy to even apply for this internship in the first place? Mm Mm-hmm. We have so many questions. (laughs) Maybe she applied to many internships and that was the one that accepted her. Who knows? I'm sorry. Jordy would have been accepted to any internship she went for, Anne-Marie. Have you seen her pictures? She she was very talented. (laughs) See, we could have had some Jordy pictures. There needs to be like an extended edition of this book with some Instagram posts and some Jordy pictures. Oh, no. And some fire and nope. fire. Oh, well, definitely fire. But no, I think that it's better without pictures because I feel like when you have the pictures, if they're raving about what a good photographer this person is, and then the pictures are in there and they kind of suck, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I like it when it's just in there and informed, but it's you don't have to, to actually have a judgment on her her photography skills. You can tell that like I'm totally into Instagram because I'm like, I don't believe it. If there's not pictures, then what is even <laughs> the point? No, this is a book podcast. No pictures for you. Use your imagination. Your brain is the picture, Danny. <laughs> my, my brain makes the picture. Okay, so here's the big one. We may come down on different sides of this, but was Jordy's betrayal really that big of a deal? Go. I'll go. So Jordy's betrayal. So what happens is Jordy has a big photography show and she wants to showcase her best pictures and Jordy believes that those are pictures of Abby. Abby is not comfortable having her pictures out there in the open to be scrutinized because she has said people are not kind to fat people in public spaces and on the internet and these kinds of things. So she walks into this photography show and sees all these pictures of herself and she kind of freaks. So I think that given what we knew about Abby's character... It was because Abby had made it clear through her actions that she was not comfortable putting herself out there online or in person, even though like she has expressed that she is comfortable with her body, that she goes through life not being ashamed of how much space she takes up. When she sees those pictures, she clearly is like she feels that she takes too much space up in the pictures. She doesn't want pictures of herself on Instagram or Facebook. So for Jordy to go against this really strong part of her that she hasn't come to terms with yet, yeah, like, it was not a great move on Jordy's part. I think that Abby got really angry for a really long time, but I still think that it was a big deal and that Jordy really messed up. Right, and, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what Abby requested but she did request it, and she made her desires known, and Jordy did ignore them. 
And in that sense, like, it was a betrayal. I guess I would have liked to see Abby be a bit more forgiving at the end. Well, not at the end, in the middle. This this story is actually kind of structured in an interesting way because they get together at the 30% mark and then they struggle and break up and then they get back together. So, yeah, you know, they have their struggle in a in a weird place in the book. Yeah, I think all the plot beats were kind of shifted to the right, like a little bit more than it felt like they should have been. So that felt like why we had that super rushed, oh, we'll both get the internship there at the very end because by the time we got through all of the conflict and their reconciling and the whatnots, there were like three pages left. Yeah, I agree that it was rushed at the end as well. And I, I agree with both of you in regards to Jordy's betrayal, I feel like it doesn't matter what the issue was. If Jordy, as Abby's partner, knows she would be upset about her doing something and she is cognizant of that and then does it anyway, then that is absolutely betrayal. And maybe her hope was that Abby would see what she did and like it, but she knew deep down that Abby wasn't going to be happy about it. Yeah, And so... Jordy needed to either ask, well, you know, if Jordy asked permission, there wouldn't have been a conflict, but Jordy <laughs> needed to ask Abby her permission to use those photos. And if Abby said no, oh, well, and, and then maybe Jordy could have had her own photo gallery in her room or something like that, where it's private and that she can celebrate her girlfriend's beauty and celebrate their relationship in the way that she wanted to in a more private sense that might have warmed Abby up to the prospect of having them be shared with other people. So even though it was hard for me to read about how long Abby was angry, like it was hard for me. I'm like, y'all just like communicate better and apologize. And well, not Abby, Abby didn't have anything to apologize for, but Jordy needed to apologize. But if you don't talk to Jordy, you're not giving her a chance to apologize. I thought it was an important part of Abby's character growth to move into being forgiving because this was, you know, her first real relationship. And she hadn't had all of this experience already of Jordy being honest and faithful and genuine. You know, they hadn't been together that long. And so it made Jordy's betrayal simultaneously much more serious because it was a bigger part of their relationship and less serious because she didn't have all of these you know emotions and past history already tied up in this girl like they didn't have a ton of shared friends or anything so it was easy for Abby to say that the relationship was over and it was also kind of a bigger heartbreak for Abby at the same time. I agree. And she may have also had some subconscious influence from her group of friends who had been, or at least her best friend had been less than supportive of the relationship. So that may have influenced how rashly she acted. Yeah. Um, because whether she wanted to admit it or not, because she was constantly defending Jordy to Malia, those words probably resonated with her at some level. And so because of that influence, it may have been a situation where Abby was more quick to just completely write her off. Yeah. And any relationship is harder when your people don't support it. Like Malia didn't care that Abby was gay, but didn't like Jordy. 
Abby's mother, when Abby said that she was going on a date, asked if it was Jax. So, like, clearly she didn't have, like, a strong support group for people on board with her relationship with Jordy. Or they were uninterested. Like, right. her dad was not not supportive, but, you know, he wasn't a strong voice for their relationship. Right. And Jax was definitely interested, but not necessarily invested in the in the success of their relationship, just whatever made Abby happy. And since Jordy made Abby unhappy in that moment, Jax was coming down, obviously, in Abby's corner. So she had Jax in her corner, but one of the things I really liked about Abby is that even though she did seem to have these self-esteem problems with her photographs and thinking of herself as the sidekick in her other story, she always had a very strong sense of who she was. And I thought that was one of the great strengths of the book. It was never a doubt that she loved fashion and that she wanted to do this, that she loved going out and, and eating burgers and talking about them and going for walks. And she was not going to let all of these negative influences in her life really shatter her image of who she was. And I thought that was a really strong part of the book. And I thought it worked out really well with Abby. Me too. I want more books like this. And that's our show for today, friends. Thank you to our guest, Anne-Marie. Bye! <laughs> you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at YA Cafe Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us an iTunes review. Happy reading! Mm-hmm.